There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sit back, relax, and enjoy as Don Tony gives you news and reviews from AEW, NXT, and indie wrestling too. Know what's happening in the world of wrestling without the hate and clickbait. It's Wednesday night, Don Might. And now, your host, Don Tony. Do you think... They um, didn't do the Billy Gunn turn tonight because so many people online expected it to happen. And as a result, we got a very messy conclusion to the acclaimed losing the AEW Tag Team Championships to the Guns. Uh, No heel turn. Uh, I don't know. I got to be honest with you. You cannot base you know changes and that's the vibe i'm getting the vibe i'm getting is you know tony khan saw everybody talking about it and uh said oh you know what i'm gonna swerve everybody online we're not gonna have billy gun turn i don't know it just uh very very messy main event but uh the gun clubs new tag champs excuse me i had to fix my lighting i thought it was a little dark tonight nothing wrong with being dark but uh you know the lights are a little dim tonight good evening everybody it is wednesday night february 8th 2023 this is wednesday night dynamite i am don tony as always i want to thank you very much for joining me now uh tonight we're gonna do it a little bit differently tonight we're really not going to spend much time as far as recaps for aew and nxt we will get into the results Uh, a couple of quick comments and, um, you know, some some really good news, you know, uh, I know he is not a part of AEW or NXT. He is uh, WWE main roster. Well, he's not a roster anymore, but he still does commentating, you know, pre-shows for premium live events, occasional guest appearance. But, you know, it would be so disrespectful if we didn't talk about it tonight. I wanted to open up. Oh, and by the way. The, the uh, Jay Briscoe tribute shirt did arrive. All right. Actually, you know what? Let's talk about this first. Um, there was a problem with the shipping company that Pro Wrestling Tees used with regards to these shirts. Now, I know a lot of places out there didn't want to tell that to you because it kind of puts Pro Wrestling Tees in a little bit of a negative light. Hey, you know, I, I don't, in the end, find any fault with them. But for those that don't know, 
Um, they used an outside shipping company called OSM, and it gives you a little bit of a cheaper rate than the post office. And um, usually when you order shirts for pro wrestling tees, it's done through the post office, you know, priority mail, you know, whatever. This time around with the Jay Briscoe tribute shirts, they decided to use OSM and they used it as like some lightweight budget service. So as a result, this shirt was shipped out, I think, 12 or 13 days ago. And, um, you know, it took that long to get it. Now, when I mentioned it a couple of days ago, a bunch of you actually contacted OSM about, you know, what's the status of your shipping? You even know you had a tracking number. And then um, I looked into it as well. I got an email from them saying that they had a little bit of a delay as far as their Chicago terminal goes, but they ensured that I was going to have this by yesterday. And sure enough, it arrived yesterday. So in the end, got it. Jay Briscoe, thoughts are with you. And you know what? Another thing, before we even talk about Jerry Lawler, um, over the weekend, we had a discussion about Mark Briscoe. I think it was on the uh, sit-down episode, and a few of you out there asked me if I thought Mark Briscoe would be on AEW television again in 2023, or did Warner Media just cave in for one night and just tell Tony Khan, okay, you got your tribute night, and then that's it. Well, when we discussed it over the weekend, I said, in my gut, in my heart, I truly believe that the reason why Warner Media did not budge until literally a couple of days before the tribute night was because they never bothered to to spend the time to learn that, hey, the Briscoes are not half bad. It took tragedy. It took a death. It took the community in Delaware. It took wrestlers. It took every walk of life. It took news stations. It took TV. It took everybody to show how special this guy was for his community, for his family. You know, he was not a bad man. And I think somebody finally decided to pay attention and realize, you know, yeah, we might have a problem with some people. This should not be one of them. And Sunday I said, I truly believe that Mark Briscoe will be back on AEW television. I think once they realized that they made an error, they're not going to apologize for it. No one's going to own up to it. But what you do going forward is what matters. We found out tonight that Mark Briscoe will be on Rampage this Friday. So will it be a live interview? I think so. I think if you're going to put him on AEW television again, it cannot be a, be a pre-recorded uh, segment. Uh, I expect him, and I think they tape in Rampage tonight. So that live crowd tonight is getting a nice little treat. So Mark Briscoe is in the house. Now, you know, to take note, you know, Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champion, you know, they have to address the situation with the tag titles. You know, is Mark Briscoe going to have to surrender that title? Or is he going to, you know, be able to choose another partner? You know, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. I mean, sooner or later, we got to address that, obviously. But he'll be on Rampage Friday, and that's awesome. That's awesome. That makes me happy. You know what else makes me happy? And yeah, you know, I said it earlier and it caught on and I'm sure, you know, I'm not the only one that thought about it. Someone else out there will post it again, 10,000 likes. I know that's good. Good for them. I, it's not why I said it, but Jerry the King Lawler, um, once again, uh, 
is battling some grave health issues. The good news is it appears he has kicked out at two once again. And he is revving up, and it looks like he's going to recover. For those that don't know what happened uh, Monday, Jerry Lawler had a massive stroke. Now, I know some of you out there may think the word massive, that it's a lot of sites are using might be clickbait to over-exaggerate it, to get you to click on the article. No, that's actually the, the term that the Lawler family um, put out there, and it is legit. Jerry Lawler suffered a massive stroke on Monday. And look, we just had Misha Montana on, and she had a stroke less than two years ago, and we were talking about, you know, I even told you over the weekend about my customer who had a stroke in November and was in the hospital for two months, had to get heart surgery on top of it, couldn't talk, one side of his body was numb, and that has to do with the brain. You know, if you remember when we were talking about Misha's stroke, when there was uh, an issue with one side of the brain, it actually interferes with the opposite side of the body. So Jerry Lawler, uh, somebody found him face down in a parking lot. Luckily, they got him in time. He was rushed to a hospital, I think in Fort Myers, Florida, and he is doing better. Still has slurred speech, still has weakness in one side of his body. It's going to take a long time. Jerry Lawler may be in the hospital for a good month, you know, maybe two weeks to a month. If he Hopefully he doesn't have to get heart surgery on top of it. You know, sometimes it, something is undisclosed. But I think at his age, still wrestling, He's probably had quite a few physicals. So this more than likely came out of nowhere. But uh, Jerry Lawler's Twitter account earlier posted a few photos and um, him putting the thumbs up for everyone. And I thought this was so nice. Jimmy Hart showing up. Jimmy Hart's almost 80 years old, guys. I mean, God bless that guy to have that much energy and just, you know, just beloved. Seriously. I mean, you know, you really can't say anything bad about this. And, you know, Jimmy Hart bringing photos, drawing, you know, showing Jerry some of the artwork that he did. And this is just wonderful, man. This is really, really nice to see. So Jerry Lawler is recuperating. He has a long battle ahead. But um, I think it's safe to say this time around, his wrestling career is officially over. Um, this is something that, you know, it's so much rehab. Uh, I think, you know, remember, you know, he almost died on Monday Night Raw. He literally passed out. And a lot of people do not know this, that people who become unconscious, if you hear snoring, that's not them in a the deep sleep dreaming about shit. That's abnormal breathing. And a lot of people who have drug overdoses, when they become unconscious, they start snoring. And that's not because they're out cold sleeping like a baby. You know, when you hear snoring, you're this close to death. No joke. If you do some research, you'll learn about it. So Jerry Lawler, now this is twice that he was knocking on death's door. And I think this time around, you know, Jerry's got to just enjoy life outside of the wrestling ring. So God bless him. God bless him. Snoring while you're sleeping is something totally different. Something totally different. I don't want anybody to worry. You know, if you I snore at night, believe me, I snore at night. Um, in fact, my Apple iWatch 
I downloaded some program where it like monitors your heart rate while you're sleeping, but it also will record like instances when you wake up or you snore. And um, I I heard one one recap one night a couple of months ago, and I just I'm like, oh my god. I could only imagine what she must deal with when I'm sleeping. So, yeah, I, I snore. Um, yeah, CPAP. My mom uses a CPAP. I used a CPAP probably about 15 years ago. I used a CPAP for a little while. I needed it. But Jerry Lawler, you know, just all the best wishes to him. You know, hopefully he recovers fully from this. And, uh, man, you know, just really, really scary when you first heard about it. All right. So tonight... We'll quickly overview AEW results, NXT. We got to talk about, once again, everyone, sausage cooked. This was a month ago. This was before the mercedes Monet stuff. This was before the tease of Toxic Attraction facing Roxanne Perez at the last premium live event. A toxic turn was coming, and it happened yesterday. And we have the pictures, we have the video, we have slow motion, and we also have the after effect of what happened to Gigi Dolan. And I definitely, absolutely um, want to reiterate an idea that I thought J.C. Jane would fit perfect. So we'll talk about the future of both of them. Um, and I don't know if it's has to do with the main roster right now. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, MJF tonight, my God, uh, you know, he opened up dynamite and you know, we almost got it. Everyone. We talked about it over the weekend. Actually, we talked about it on Monday. It was Monday, two days ago when we were going over the ratings from last week. And I said, when we recap dynamite ratings, I don't want to include quarter one because there's always that carryover from the big bang theory. And I said, it would be really interesting if we get a woman's match opening up dynamite. I want to see what those ratings look like carrying into Big Bang Theory if a women's match opened Dynamite. Now, I understand why they probably wouldn't do it unless they had two women's matches on an episode of Dynamite. Because if you bang it out at the very beginning of Dynamite, now you got an hour and 45 minutes of nothing but men's wrestling. But tonight, match two. Match two is Jamie Hayter over the bunny. So we're close, everyone. We're getting close. We're getting close. But um, MJF beat Takashita, Takeshka, however you want to call his name. Takeshita was what we used to coin it. Um, how do you all feel? Seriously. I mean, because people online that just overly gush. Oh, my God. You know, we got to do. Oh, shit. Shit. We got we to gotta show you. Oh, later on, we're going to have some fun, everybody. We're going to have some fun. Remember this? Do you remember the Bloomberg article? The the guy that uh, Kim Basin who took Tony Khan and put him on the Ultimate Warrior's body. Oh my God! I think I picked up something. Should we should we just throw it out there right now? Do you want a good laugh? Should we just throw it out there right now? You know what Chat GPT is? That Open AI program. That's scary shit. That is scary fucking shit. It is unbelievable how accurate it is. 
And, you know, this is what everybody's been talking about, that it's open source software where you ask it something and it actually will answer you. And, you know, students are now using it to, like, make book reports and essays. Um, I think that, I think this guy that wrote that article used chat GPT and live in real time. I'm going to show you why I think he used chat GPT. We're actually going to go on chat GPT's website right here and we're going to type something in and see what kind of response we get. And we're going to do it live. So you could see I'm not making this shit up, but um, you know, one scary thing about chat GPT is you, um, and I'm queuing up the phrase, I'm going to type it in live on the show. But one of the things that's scary about it, you know, for those that don't know the story behind it, is apparently they did testing um, outside of the country. They did testing outside of the country. And, okay, I got it queued up. And uh, what they would do in some foreign countries is they would show them tons and tons of horrible footage Horrible content, you know, beheadings, assassinations, you know, the R word that rhymes with grape, all is absolutely disgusting stuff, bomb making, everything. And what their job was to do was to flag anything that was deemed, you know, you know, inappropriate, illegal, you know, terrible. And, you know, they were very successful in filtering out a lot of the, you know, you know, horrible content. The problem is, is that a lot of people from these countries that, you know, are poor and they get paid decent money to do this, they're now all fucked up in the head. I mean, not everybody, but a lot of people are fucked up in the head experiencing all this tragedy and they're weeding this stuff out and you're looking at, oh my God, there, there is some wild backstory to this, but let's have some fun for a minute. Why not? Let's mix it up a little bit. I could do whatever I want over here and you all seem to enjoy it. So let's, let me pull up here. Hang on. Let me pull it up. All right. So this is, let's pull it up. Okay. This was the article. This is live right now. This is the website. That is the article about Tony Khan. And when we dissected it last Saturday, you know, we re- you realize that it, it looked like a child wrote this article. I mean, the, the pictures that they used was ridiculously horrible. If you look at some of what was written, it, it feels like somebody from Ringside News. Oh, there's the, there's the, 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 oh my God. So this article, you know, some of the description about Tony Khan, about AEW fans, about what AEW is all about, some of it just felt almost like they were cutting and pasting from a wiki article, but it wasn't. And then I started thinking about Chad, Chad, Chat GPT, and it fucking hit me. I'm going to show you something right now. Let's do one for an example. Let's do one for an example. All right, so we're going to go to here. Let's go to enter. All right, so, okay, so we're going to go here. Now, if you look on the bottom, you can see the, the, the there's the line. You see the line down there? Okay. So there is the line. So I'm going to type in there a phrase. Describe to me an AEW fan. All right. You see it there? Describe me to me an AEW fan. I don't know why it keeps minimizing, but you can see it there. See, describe to me an AEW fan. All right. So I'm going to click enter. 
And let's see what comes up. Now, you have to look at the Bloomberg article and compare it to what comes up here. This is not, this is just an example. I'm going to show you an example, but then I'm going to type in a question. And when you read the article and you read the chat, chat GPT response, oh, it is, there's too much coincidence. All right, so let's hit enter. I'm going to get out of here. Let's go a little bit further back. All right, so now I'm going to hit enter. Now watch your screen. Describe to me an AEW fan. Now this is going to type it live. We're live right now. So it's thinking, it's thinking, it's thinking. Okay, there you go. An AEW fan is someone who is an enthusiast and supporter of the professional wrestling company, All Elite Wrestling. They likely enjoy watching AEW's weekly TV show Dynamite as well as its pay-per-view events. AEW fans are passionate about the product and often have favorite wrestlers or storylines that follow closely. They are knowledgeable about the history of pro wrestling, the current state of the industry, and enjoy engaging in discussions at the base. So it goes on about community enthusiastic supporters of AEW. So, so far, it's pretty generic. It's pretty generic. But, you know, a decent response. All right, so let's clear that out. Let's clear this out. Okay, let's, come on, clear it out, confirm. There you go, we cleared it out. All right, so now we go back. And then I'm going to type the phrase in that I, I need you all to see. And I'm going to show you a screenshot very quickly of the article again, I want you to see something with the article. All right. So here, let me find it. Okay. Here it is. Okay. Uh, here it is. Look at your screen. All right. That is, I want you to pay attention to this paragraph here. More importantly, nerd, nerd. Other than Luke Gallows, does anybody use the term nerd anymore? The average AEW viewer is more of a wrestling nerd than the casual WWE fan. And it goes, so I want you to remember this paragraph when we go here. Let's go back. Hang on. There you go. All right. So now let's go to the question. I'm typing in the question. And the question I'm posing is this. I don't see, you see it on the bottom? Compare the, the average AEW viewer to a WWE viewer. Because that's pretty much what the conversation was about. I typed that in. So now I want you to see the result. Let's go on the screen. Wow, it's actually working pretty seamlessly. So now I want you to see the result. Okay, get ready. I'm here. I'm going to type in enter. And here we go. Remember that paragraph. Check this out. It's thinking. Compare the average AEW. Here we go. Here we go. Watch this. I hope it doesn't change what it said earlier. Watch this. I, I had a feel. It is difficult to make a direct comparison between the average AEW viewer and the WWE viewers. Both companies have different target audiences and demographics. Uh, we go on and on. AEW tends to appeal to a more hardcore wrestling fan base with a focus of in-ring action and athleticism. AEW has also been noted for its more adult-oriented content with more mature themes and edgier story time. Storytelling. The average AEW viewer is likely to be a longtime wrestling fan who appreciates the high flying risk uh, of wrestling. On the other hand, and it talks about WWE, and then it goes here. Let's find where's the nerd? Where is the nerd? Let me see. Um, it used the nerd reference. So, okay, let me let me type this in. Hang on. 
hold on, I got to clear this because this is not easy to do because this is live screen capture. So let me let me reset this. Okay, let's see. We should see something with nerd pop up now. All right, this is similar. Okay, look, there you go. Here we go. This is it. It shows about fans. Okay, all genders, gender backgrounds. Because they have multiple answers. Okay, let's see. It sh- you should see the term nerd pop up. Okay, hold on. It's still typing. It's still typing. Generation Z, more traditional demographic. Okay, alternative to WWE. Let's keep going. Hold on. We're going to... F- we got to... Uh, this better not be an epic fail. It won't be an epic fail because there's multiple answers that it gives. So we could just we just gotta enter it and it'll come up. Let's let's try this now. Let's see what comes up. But it actually uses the term wrestling nerd, and I think what this guy did was he kept entering it, and then you see it'll come up. But if you read the article and you type in some questions as far as what he's writing. It's almost word for word. Let's see if it comes up here. Okay. See how it's a little bit different now about growing up nostalgia, demographic, emotional connection to the product. Niche promotion. Okay. Look, different type of wrestling experience. Focusing on athleticism. Let's see. It talks about generalizations. So now I'm going to type in one more thing and then we'll move on. I'm going to type in one more thing. And I'm going to put, I'm going to add the word nerd, AEW viewer nerd. I got to clear out the conversation. Okay, here we go. All right. Compare the average AEW viewer. Now watch only one message of the time. Oh, come on. Don't stop fucking with me now. New chat. All right, hold on. I'm sorry, everyone. This is live. I didn't want to pre-record it. Because then somebody may have accused me of doctoring it. Let's see if it comes up. Let's see. Oh, look at that. <laughs> I don't have to get that. All right. So point is, point is, if you go on that site and you start typing in some of the comments that he writes it actually will come up and say that some people may call AEW fans as wrestling nerds. So I invite you to go to chat GPT, look at that article. And when it talks about a particular topic, just type in something from that topic and it almost word for word. If I put them side by side, you'll see what I'm talking about. So, all right. Anyway, you know, Hey, it's not easy to do this live and screenshot it and capture, you know, it live in action. So, all right, that's fine. So, all right, let's, let's start moving on and let's start getting out here. Got an injury update for Dijak. And this is fucking unbelievable, man. Dijak, if you saw NXT Vengeance Day, <laughs> you know, somebody said that his finger uh, just, just slipped that is like Sid Vicious leg injury. If you look at his finger, he went to the hospital. That is a legitimate x-ray. His finger is not broken. It is dislocated. This guy does not need surgery. I can't believe that it didn't almost penetrate the skin. 
or, or he is so fucking lucky right now. I mean, he's going to be out of action for a little while. Maybe they could put a splint and maybe he could still work. But I think right now, especially since fans know what happened to Dijak, let him rest, let him get a little bit better. And I think when he comes back, I think he may get a little bit more momentum from the fans. Because right now, I think some people are unsure. Are we supposed to cheer him? Are we not supposed to cheer him? You know, he took on Von Wagner last week. You know, you're like, okay, who am I supposed to root for here? And then he takes on Wesley and Manda. They put on an awesome performance. Did not see that coming. You know, you always feel like Dijak does his best work against other big men. But man, him and Wesley really killed it. Thank God. Thank God he's okay. So, all right. Um, rumor killer that I want to share with you right now. Did you see a lot of uh, websites reporting last week that WWE is going to allow some NXT stars to work? And, and the magic word was select indie dates. Okay. This is the truth about what's going on. Because if you pay close attention, people are talking on both sides of their mouth. They're saying one thing, then they find out it's not true, and then they twist it and say a completely different thing. People wrote, reported that WWE was allowing them. And where that all came from was this. Ivy Nile is scheduled to be on Booker T's Reality of Wrestling on February 11th, three days from now. So... Um, that's where they got it from. The truth is, once Shawn Michaels shot that down, all of a sudden everybody was saying, well, you know, uh, if it works out, this is a test run, and if it works out, then they will be letting them work in. The fact is, Booker T works with WWE, and they want to give some NXT wrestlers, because some of these house shows are not, they're not working as much as you would expect them to. Now, we're on the road to WrestleMania, but doing some shows locally in Florida is not enough. Ivy Nile was married very recently. She was, you know, off TV for a while. So they want to give her a little bit of extra work. So the fact is, is that WWE is, if they're going to allow some of their NXT stars to work some indie shows, it's going to be promotions that they trust. It's going to be people that they may be associated with. You'll probably see something related to the schools that some of the wrestlers are involved in. Would not be surprised if you see something with related to maybe with Cody down the line or Booker T. Um, you know, places like that. Maybe a larger indie promotion, but it's going to be companies that they trust and work with. That was never out of the question. But when people saw that with the Ivy now, they raced and ran to it and said that, oh, they're opening it up. No, that's not actually accurate. Now, the funny thing is, if more NXT stars work some indie promotions, then they'll say, see, I told you. See, I told you. But um, that is the truth. Right now, they're letting some wrestlers work, get some extra time and extra work in. And that's the right way to go. Um. By the way, you know, over the weekend at NXT Vengeance Day, you know, I know none of us saw this coming. Fallon Henley and Kiana James winning the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships. 
And I'm surprised at how many people do not realize that it was not that long ago that Fallon Henley was doing AEW dark matches and she was not alone. Kiana James was also working AEW dark matches. And just look at how fast they turn shit around. And now they're tag champs. Now, it's more storyline than anything else right now. I know a lot of people feel like, why did you take it off of Katana Chance and Kana Carter? We're going into WrestleMania. WrestleMania, we need some title changes. You know, the New Day, obviously, they want to use them for WrestleMania, not necessarily for NXT. So that's why they dropped the titles before Mania to Gallus. But, you know, I'm not saying that Fallon Henley and Kiana James are going to drop the titles at Mania, but there is a good chance. Now, the storyline that we talked about over the weekend is that Fallon Henley is not necessarily, you know, realized what, you know, there's going to be some, you know, arguing as far as, you know, Kiana James, like, breaking the rules a little bit too much, and that's not really what Fallon's all about and this and that, but pretty cool, pretty cool to see that happen. But um, before we uh, talk about Toxic Attraction, and maybe we'll even just finish up the show with a little bit of Toxic Attraction. Let's quickly run down AEW tonight. And I got to make mention about that story that MJF told, which is pretty fucking wild. Um, it, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, let's put it this way. Him doing the blowjob reference on TV, you know, is probably, you know, people that want like that Steve Austin TV 14 content, they love this stuff. I have no problem with it, you know, but remember what I have said before, and this is not a knock on MJF, and it's not a knock necessarily on John Moxley, but when you see MJF make gestures like that, and when you hear the vulgarity and some of the real explicit promos that he cuts, for me, I'm an adult male. I'm entertained by it. I'm not offended by it. I understand, you know, the method behind the madness. The point I'm making is that the true challenge for MJF is to be able to keep that level of entertainment for fans or the anger you cause to fans without going there the way he does. Now, he is still in AEW. And we're only in February. So there is absolutely no reason for MJF to be cleaning up his act, if you want to even call it that. But we get to 2024. Now, look, no one out there knows what MJF's future is in AEW come 2024. Listen, right now, a lot of those goof websites are thinking about which way to roll the dice. Is he going to stay? Or is he going to go? You got a 50-50 shot of being right. So people will throw it out there. My sources tell us that MJF is already locked in past 2024. And they'll write it now or they'll write it very, very soon. So seven, eight months later or even less than that, when rumors start coming out that that apparently he signed a new deal, then they could go back and say, you see, we were right. Pay me. You know, I'm accurate. Without naming the site, 
we found out yesterday that SummerSlam is coming to Detroit, Ford Field. And particular website, not Fightful. Fightful originally reported it last year. But just to show you how sausage is made, and you'll find you'll you'll find this cute. Another website claimed that they broke the story before Fightful did. And they referenced a screenshot of their website from like October of last year. And the funny thing is, is that these Matarazzas don't even understand that there's Wayback Machine, there's Google Cache, and there's other places where you can tell, find out if a page was updated or altered from its original posting. And without blowing up their spot, you go on the right website, you put in the link for that article, you find out that the article was altered very, very recently. So it's not even, and the best part about it, if you go on their website and you click on their article history, conveniently, their article history stops, drum more please, a week after that article supposedly came out. I mean, these people are amateurs, man. They are fucking amateurs. So, but anyway, with MJF, you know, the thing is, if he goes to WWE, honestly, do you think he could say the shit that he's saying right now? The blowjob reference, you know, whatever. Vulgar language, of course, he's not going to be able to, to go there with. But, you know, he told the story tonight, and I posted this just for shits and giggles. He talks about how evil of a person he is. He talks about, I think, his high school days. And he had this blue Chevy Camaro. And he met this girl that, you know, he you know, had a crush on or he just wanted to go with it, this and that. And he tells the girl, let's go for a ride. And he says, oh, for legal purposes, we'll call her Liv. And I immediately remembered this picture. And I wrote on Twitter tonight, I said, oh, here's a picture of MJF with Liv. And by the way, Liv is wearing Chevy Camaro blue colored jeans or stretchies or whatever. So, um, no, he was not talking about Liv Morgan. Uh, some, I, I don't want to insult the person, but somebody was quick with the comeback on social media. Me, uh, he was talking about someone that was dark-skinned. Um, nowhere in my tweet did I say that he was talking about Liv Morgan. I just pointed out that Liv Morgan was wearing Camaro blue uh, pants in this picture. Some people want to try to do that little gotcha-like. But anyway, MJF tells a story that he was in the car and he was apparently getting a blowjob while he was driving. And he's racing and this and that, and the next thing you know, he has a car accident. Loses control. And a few of you emailed me tonight, DM'd me and said, hey, DT, what do you think he meant when he said that he tasted pennies when when he had the car crash? The only thing that comes to mind that I know as far as auto wrecks, because, you know, I'm an insurance uh, agent and I've been one since 98. But um, I do know that some people, when they have a car crash, their head hits the steering wheel or they, if they have a head injury, that could interfere with your sense of taste. 
and some people lose their sense of taste entirely for a little while, sometimes you get a metallic taste in your mouth. So I think what he was probably referencing in that story is that he hit the steering wheel, you know, and blah, 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 whatever. I don't think anybody really cares about that aspect of the story, but he's so ruthless and he's so terrible that apparently the woman Liv died in the vehicle or she was unconscious. And when the cop showed up, he put his finger by her nose and I'm assuming that she was dead and he switched places with her. So the cops believed that she was behind the wheel. Now, I haven't seen much of this yet, but I guarantee you, you will. Uh, I know some people are going to say, DT, that's ridiculous. No. Trust me when I tell you, this is how social media works sometimes. This probably didn't even cross your mind, but I will bet you, I will bet you, you will see people suddenly incensed online tonight. You know why? You'll have people say, AEW, how the fuck could you have MJF tell a story like that after Jay Briscoe just tragically died in a car accident? How the fuck could you tell a story like that? You watch on social media, give it a little time, and people that don't even aren't even offended by the story, they'll remember Jay Briscoe to be like, oh, oh, and you watch. Watch the bullshit that comes out. I'm telling you, I see it a mile away. It's not the first time. But MJF cutting a powerful, epic promo of how much of a dick that he is. And for us, we love it. The challenge is, what are you going to get with MJF when he goes to WWE? If he goes to WWE. You know, we don't know what the future of WWE is going to be. I think they'll end up staying around for a while because they're making crazy money. You know, Anybody that buys WWE, if they buy WWE, and I'm not going to get into that whole conversation tonight, but I explained to you why it's possible that the, the sale could be taken off the table because of the media rights negotiations that have to start soon. Somebody buys WWE. You know, there's a phrase, you don't try to fix something that's not broken. Yeah, somebody might look at it and think, oh, I can make this better. I could improve this even bigger. And they could fuck it up. They could fuck it up. You know, you'd sometimes too many ingredients could spoil the soup. So, you know, hopefully whoever buys it allows a lot of people who are involved with WWE behind the scenes stay in what they're doing. Because WWE right now is making crazy fucking money. They are on so much momentum right now. And they're treating like every premium live event, almost like a mini WrestleMania, which we talked about on Monday. Even with the TV, they've amped it up a notch. Even with the TV, you're seeing, you know, names show up you didn't expect that you would probably think they'd advertise for a month before they showed up. So MGF cuts a crazy-ass promo tonight, but as we opened up with the show, I was going to ask you this before, and I'm going to ask you it now. For everyone out there, that thinks that Takeshka is a future heavyweight champion for AEW. With all due respect, I don't see it. I don't see Swerve Strickland as a future headliner for a pay-per-view for AEW. Maybe Ring of Honor, but not AEW. 
Not that I don't think that they can't make it, but I just don't see AEW going there. Um, I feel that the AEW Tag Team Championships are a big step below the trios titles. It feels it feels like a secondary title. It doesn't feel like as big as it should be. And it's cool to see the Acclaim get it. It's cool to see Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus get it for a little while. It's cool to see, you know, the guns to a certain extent, even though they, to me, they're in no position to be champions yet. But those titles feel very inferior to the trios titles, in my opinion. But the thing with Takeshka is this. How do you feel that he lost a title eliminator match tonight? Because isn't the meaning of the title eliminator match is that if you lose, you're eliminated from title contention? If I remember correctly, didn't Will Ospreay recently take on John Moxley? I think he took on Moxley. Was it Osprey or was it, uh, oh, who also just signed? If someone wants to correct me, if it wasn't Osprey, somebody took on Moxley recently and people are like, why is this guy, Juice Robinson, was it Juice Robinson or was it Will Osprey? It was one of the two. But I remember fans saying like, why is this person getting a title eliminator match? And Tony Khan came out there and said, well, if he beats John Moxley, he gets a future title shot. And he lost. Okay, thank you, Rando. Juice Robinson. And he lost. So what does this say about Takeshka? He ain't going for the heavyweight title anytime soon as long as MJF is still a champion. So I don't know. I don't know. I just I wonder how people feel about that tonight. Um, but Takeshka does lose to MJF in an eliminator match. Jamie Hayter over the Bunny in an eliminator match. Ricky Starks loses the Garcia uh, Guevara gauntlet. And they fucked with this a little bit. You know, I don't think any of us thought that if he won the gauntlet tonight, he was taking on Jericho tonight. I think a lot of us expected him to take Jericho on at the Revolution pay-per-view. And I still think that could happen. But what ends up happening is he beats... You know, um, he has to run the gauntlet and beat everybody in the Jericho Appreciation Society. And when it came down to Matt Menard and Danny Magic, he took care of them fruit roll-ups. Was that a little odd for for you out there? Seeing two quick pins like that? You don't ever see that in AEW unless it's a squash. And those two guys... They shouldn't be squashed like that, but Ricky Starks beat both of them like this. And we're saying to ourselves, wow, we're going to get like eight matches tonight. We usually get four to five. But he beats them both like this. Daniel Garcia is the next one to come out. And somebody's at ringside with, I think, a Mil Mascaris mask on and hits uh, Ricky Starks, knocking him out. Revealed to be Jericho, obviously. But as a result, Daniel Garcia pins um, Ricky Starks. So Ricky Starks don't get Chris Jericho tonight. So, again, I still think it's the pay-per-view, but they changed, you know, that because no one was expecting that he was going to face Jericho tonight. Brian Danielson over Roosh. I got news for you, man. I I don't know how far they would go with Roosh. We already know what Brian Danielson could do. They should redo that match in Ring of Honor. They're going to do the next Ring of Honor pay-per-view. If they can get Brian Danielson on that show, they should redo that match in Ring of Honor. That match tonight, even though we knew the outcome, we knew Brian Danielson was winning. 
But as far as match quality goes, that match was phenomenal. Um, there was a funny moment on it, and I'm going to show it to you really quick. Basically, Roosh is out there for his match, and he's by himself. And Brian Danielson is in a a room with Takeshka and Renee Paquette. And Brian Danielson goes to exit the room, and the door's locked. And it was hilarious because they, you can't, like, lock the door from the inside. You can only lock it from the outside, which is kind of funny. So now MJF comes down to the ring and he tells Aubrey Edwards, no, you need to start counting the 10. If he can't, you know, sh- show up by the 10 count, the match is over. Roosh wins. Brian Danielson don't get his match at Revolution. Brian Danielson ends up knocking the door open and he uses the bad shoulder, which was great storytelling. I mean, it's kind of stupid when you think about it. It's great storytelling, though, that he wants it so bad that he even used his bad shoulder. He didn't even think of twice about it to knock the door down. The two things that I thought was funny about this is, number one, um, why didn't he kick the door down? Number two, you know, Takeshka, I know that Takeshka was kind of injured, but you would think Brian Danielson comes to the rescue that Takeshka would be like, no, 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 let me try. Let me try, you know, but uh, Brian Danielson knocks the door down. Now, the funny thing is, and I'm going to show it to you, is uh, on the other side of the door is Preston Vance and the fucking manager. I want you to look closely at them, like Oompa Loompas. When, when Brian Danielson ends up on the floor, now remember, if Brian Danielson doesn't answer the 10 count, he loses. Look at this tremendous effort that Preston Vance and the manager does, Jose the assistant, of trying to keep Brian Danielson from going down to ringside. Watch this closely. Watch. Knocks it down. All right, look. Oh, I've fallen. And I can't get up. I've fallen. Now, watch them closely. They don't even, like, touch him. And then Dikeshka, I give props to Dikeshka. Because Dikeshka probably saw, like, oh, let me be the diversion. So Brian Danielson, but look how, look how easy they let him get. Watch this. Watch how easy they let him get up. Let them get up. And he runs away. Awful. Awful. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Little things like that is amateur hour. 
Takeshka was fine. Brian Danielson was fine. Those two look like goofs. Oompa loompas. <laughs> it is kind of cringe, to be honest with you. But anyway, Brian Danielson and Roosh tore the house down. Brian Danielson wins, and um, you know now he gets the match. It's official. The 60-minute Iron Man match at AEW Revolution for the Heavyweight Championship is going to be MJF versus Brian Danielson. The Elite retain the trios, titles, defeating Top Flight and AR Fox. Another excellent match. But for me, it's more like indie. And I'm not necessarily knocking that. But, you know, when you could... The only match tonight that we really didn't know the outcome was the Guns versus the Acclaimed. We all wondered, Billy Gunn going to turn? The Gunn's going to win it? Or are we going to just let this continue? But I think a lot of us felt that this feud had to come to an end because they just keep bringing it up over and over and over again. And as I said earlier, you know, it feels tonight like Tony Khan, because of so many people online thinking that Billy Gunn's going to turn, instead of just allowing that to happen, you know, and if you have a great idea on paper how that's going to happen, you have it happen because people, look, everybody knew the outcome of the other matches and they still went ahead and had those outcomes. But because so many people thought Billy Gunn was going to turn, that, oh, I'm going to show everybody online and I'm not going to have him turn. And instead we got a sloppy, very lackluster finish with even two to three minutes to kill. And I got news for you. I don't know if any of you felt this, but I sure did. When I looked at the clock and it was 9.57 and the gun club were on the rampway holding the titles up, I'm saying to myself, are the lights going to go out? Is some tag team going to show up that we're not expecting? Are we going to get a major surprise tonight? And we didn't get that. Instead, they're just showing Billy Gunn with the acclaimed. And they look depressed, dejected. Then they start playing the music. And there's still two minutes left. They're like, okay, this looks just... The last five minutes of Dynamite tonight was like a wet fart, to be honest with you. And I personally think that is... and, And look, if Billy Gunn does not turn on the acclaimed in the next two weeks all right, then maybe he wasn't supposed to turn at all. But I just get this real strong feeling that Tony Khan was like, oh, I'll swerve everybody. And I think that's what we got tonight. It would be interesting if the acclaim turned on Billy Gunn. Be interesting. But would AEW have the acclaim turn heel right now? I think that would be foolish. Everybody loves the acclaimed. They love the raps. You know, they're a little bit ridiculous. The Tonight was kind of funny. Max Caster talking in Spanish, talking about Chinese balloons, talking about a whole bunch of shit, which was pretty funny. But very lackluster main event. But a lot of what we see on TV is feels like indies. And I loved, work, you know, working on the indies, you know, not in a very serious role, but I love the indies. I love going, and it's like you go home happy, you got great fucking wrestling, you know, no real deep, you know, continuality, you know, in a lot of ways, or just things thrown out there for the sake of throwing it out there. Matches that you know the outcomes, but you still get great entertainment, and that's all that matters. You go home happy, and that's the end of it. 
But understand, most indies only draw a couple of hundred people. Very, very rare these days that an indie promotion will draw over 1,500 fans. You think about that. You got WWE drawing fifteen to 20,000 fans, 12,000 fans. AEW drawing five to eight, 9,000, 10,000 fans. And you have another indie promotion with great stars, great talents in the same area, and having shows every single month in that area and could only draw 200, 300. You put tickets for $10 and you still can't get people in droves to show up. You know, when I was doing stuff back in the mid 2000s, we had a couple of shows where we had fifteen to 1,700. But, you know, as far as VPW goes, average, what, 500 fans, 600 fans? Even when XPW came to the ECW arena, you know, the first show we had over 1,000 fans. And then it started cutting back. And by their last Philly show, you know, they probably only had maybe like 400 fans there. And the funny thing is half of them were from my bus trips. So, you know... This is AEW. This is a company on a $144 million TV deal. This is a company that people think, you know, could possibly buy WWE. And as long as you have a lot of that indie wrestling mentality, how in God's green earth, if NXT, which feels like indie because of the amateur, you know, a lot of the wrestlers have not made it yet, you know, as far as larger than life, big time players, entertainers for the masses. That's why you saw a lot of wrestlers who were in NXT and you had this noise online. Oh, this person should be on the main roster. This person should be on the main roster. Oh, Vince fucked this up. And yes, Vince did fuck some people up. But other promotions where they went on, or even AEW, where they finally got to show what they could do and they still can't draw a million. And please don't say to me, well, no one person's going to draw a million viewers. You know, if my favorite wrestler or one of my favorite wrestlers is going to be on TV, you know, it's at a reasonable hour, why wouldn't I turn in just to see what they're doing? I mean, it's, it's, that's almost mind-boggling. You know, that's why I always laughed about New Japan. New Japan has not clicked with American wrestling fans yet. You want a good example of it? MLW Underground. MLW Underground just debuted yesterday on reels. Now, I watched a lot of it today. And they debuted on reels. And what's so cool about MLW's debut on reels is look, I'm going to be honest here. I don't see MLW drawing big numbers for a very long time. Their roster right now, as it is, there's nothing extra special to make you want to tune in. But yesterday, on their debut, they drew 79,000 viewers. That's only about 15,000 viewers less than Impact Wrestling. That is almost double of what New Japan gets. New Japan, this week, on Access, drew 58,000 viewers. That's a high number. Usually they're around 35,000, 40, 45,000 viewers. This is New Japan. So when you see somebody show up on AEW that's from New Japan, Forbidden Door, Forbidden Door, it's epic, amazing, holy shit, holy shit, I'm, I'm shaking right now. 
that same wrestler could appear on Impact Wrestling every week, every week for six months. And these fans are so into that wrestler, they don't turn it on once to see him on Impact. They don't turn it on New Japan once to see what they're doing in New Japan. Fucking New Japan is on television every single week, and they can't even draw 100,000 viewers. I mean, you think about that. And the funny thing is, with Forbidden Door and how much AEW had New Japan on their TV, I think people forget how much New Japan was on AEW television. And even with that, New Japan got no ratings jolt on Access. Look, I don't have the, all the ratings history in front of me, but if you look at it before that time and after, it's hilarious. It did nothing. It did zero. But yesterday, MLW debuted on Reels, and you know, it wasn't a bad show. And you had Alex Hammerstone, Enzo was on it. You know, the, the, Leo Rush will be on future episodes. You got Taya, Valkyrie. You got John Morrison that's on some episodes. You know, you got other other wrestlers as well. But the cool aspect about it is one of the reasons why MLW ended up on reels is because of this show. Any of you know what that show is? Anybody uh, a fan of what Live PD used to be or it's now On Patrol Live? I've talked about that show Many, many times over the last six, seven months. That show on Patrol Live is the, you know, the reincarnation of Live PD. If anybody used to watch Live PD, I was a huge fan of it. But it was taken off the air after the George Floyd tragedy. Because of, you know, the perception of police and all the, you know, just the conflict across the country and beyond. And Live PD was pulled off of A&E. And, you know, again, you know, not every cop is a bad person, you know, but it was such a toxic situation that you kind of understood why they took him off the air. But Reels, now they have On Patrol Live, which is, you know, what similar to what Live PD, and their ratings are up almost 300%. And apparently Reels did some type of research and they found a lot of peop- fans who watch live, uh, live uh, on live, uh, on patrol live, are wrestling fans. How they came to that, I have no idea. But the immediate thought was Warner Media thinking that wrestling fans would love this slap bullshit that Dana White has out there. That that shit is awful. That will be off the air. If it's not already off the air, it'll be off the air soon. That shit will not click. That is destined. That is, we're going to look back on that, and it's been around for years. But we're going to look back on it and say that is one of the epic fails ever, as far as TV goes. And fucking Warner Media apparently had some focus groups and everything, and they actually thought that wrestling fans would love to see that slapping shit, which is just brutal. It's awful. But apparently, the research of on Patrol Live, and now I'm familiar with Reels. I watch it every Friday night. I watch On Patrol Live every Friday night and most Saturday nights. So I'm familiar with the channel. So now they're on Reels, and they did 79,000 viewers yesterday. It was not a bad show. The thing is, though, you know, the, the content is fairly new. It's not 
stuff that's been taped seven, eight months ago. I will not be surprised if they start throwing in a nostalgic match here and there. Because MLW has been around for a long time. But I think they're probably going to throw in a nostalgic match here and there. Because on the surface, two, three weeks, they'll probably be down to like 50,000 viewers. They might, you know, get some jolts here and there. There's nothing that really pulls you in. It feels indie. And again, you know, there's a reason why indies only draw a few hundred fans. And if you have that indie mentality that, you know, it doesn't have to be tight. It doesn't have to be perfect. You have a show and you only have three rows of fans. You know, that perception that nobody is coming to your shows, you know, that's not an inspiration to want to see people tune in. You know, it's it's not it's kind of depressing to tune into a baseball game and see only 4,000 fans in attendance in a 50,000-seat building. You know, you kind of depressing, and you kind of want to change the channel. It gives the aura that fans just don't find it good enough, and that's the aura you get on TV. Now, I want to briefly talk about John Moxley. Then we'll talk about Toxic Attraction NXT results, and we'll get out of here. If you saw the thumbnail for tonight's show, um, I talked about John Moxley and his blading. If you see the text, for me, that's my way of playing on words. There is a phrase with the uh, abbreviation IDGAF, which stands for I don't give a fuck. So I kind of tweaked it, and instead of I don't give a fuck, I change it to I don't gig a fuck. John Moxley, this is something that a lot of people do not want to talk about. I think it's time we talk about it. John Moxley loved working on the Indies. John Moxley loved working in CZW, loved the hardcore all Japan wrestling, the physical violence, the bleeding. You know, the hard nose. You know, some people do like that phys- that extreme physicality. And the thing is, I applaud John Moxley for caring this much about AEW. But, you know, I, I look at it like a magician, okay? You go to a magic show, all right? You don't want, at the time, when you're seeing the magic... You don't want to see the secret. After the show is over, you go on your computer and you Google it or you go on YouTube like, how the fuck did he do that card trick? How the fuck did he do this? How the fuck did she do this? So, But when you're watching it, when you watch a movie, while the movie is on, you want that suspension of disbelief that everything you're watching is real. Everything. And the thing is, is that when you have John Moxley... And this is not the first time he's done it. Now, hear me out, because this is leading to a question, okay? This is the most recent one, and this was last week with Hangman Page. Now, yes, you could find fault, absolutely find fault in the production of AEW. How is someone in the back not slapping someone's head, the fuck camera off of him, the fuck you doing? The guy is in the corner, and he's gigging his head not to draw blood, but to open the wound just a little. So when Hangman Page goes like that, 
blood start coming out. And for suspension of disbelief, that's great. That's great. John Moxley, instead of just uh, Abby is abbying his head, just cuts it a little so it doesn't bleed. You know, you just hit the surface. You break the skin. But you don't go deep so you don't bleed. So when you just go like this, or what Terry Funk used to do, and Terry Funk would go like this. You remember Bailey Legal? When he took on Raven, when you see him in the corner and he's like this, he's trying to force the blood to rush to that area so it starts pouring out. And it looks beautiful. It looks beautiful. The difference is we didn't see Terry Funk going like this. John Moxley is sitting in the corner and does this. He's literally in the corner Taking it out, I guess, out of his teeth. Look at it one more time. Look at it one more time. He's taking it out of his teeth, and he's just pricking his face. And I guess he's putting it back in his teeth or something. I don't know. But the thing is, this is not the first time he's done that. He's done it outside the ring. And I know what you're going to say. Well, it's the ca- again, it's the production's fault for zooming in on him. Well, what about everybody at ringside that's looking right at Moxley? You don't go outside the ring face down, put your head underneath the apron a little bit. So my question to you is, is, is does he just have this I don't give a fuck attitude? I don't care who sees me. You know, like, And if that's the case, that's fine. But understand that when the magician is doing a magic act and he's literally showing you like, oh, you know, Oh, look, look, uh, yeah, um, you know, all right, uh, pick a card. And um, I, I'm going to pull the Excalibur card out of these three, all right? In fact, you know what I'm going to do? Look, I got all these cards, and, I, and I'm going to pull the Excalibur one out of all of the cards. And look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mix them up. I'm going to mix them up, and I'm looking, see, I'm not doing nothing, and I'm going to pull the Excalibur card, and I'm going to go like this, and I'm still looking at the screen, and I'm going to go like, pull the card out, um, yeah, and uh, you, you just like gradually like look down and you know, like, uh, it, it, oh, by the way, it was Ray Phoenix, not Excalibur. I start like exposing it, like people get the fuck out of here. Is that too careless? Is that too much of an I don't give a shit attitude? I mean, Moxley walks down through the crowd you know, he shrugs, he's got this attitude, fuck this, bullshit this, blah, 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 you know, I, I don't give a fuck, you know, but if you care that much about AEW, do you want AEW to be CZW? Do you care if AEW is trying to get a, you know, a, a, a TV deal for, do you care that AEW doesn't grow? I get this this feeling that John Moxley is true and true, passionate about AEW when he works, he works his ass off. John Moxley works his ass off. He does not wing anything, and he doesn't just pack it in. He works his ass off. But there is, you know, suspension of disbelief also, and it just comes off that, hey, I don't give a fuck who sees me. You know, I'm fucking bleeding here. I'm fighting here. I'm taking fucking big shots. I'm actually, you know, getting hit. 
at times, you know, because I give a shit about it. I don't know how you all feel about that. Should he be a little bit more discreet, you know, without, because again, we're in the age of social media that everything is under a microscope. You know, when you have AEW Dark and AEW Elevation and people botch really fucking bad or something is shown that kind of like ruins whatever you're watching and they don't edit it because, oh, no, we want to show it in its authenticity. Why do you think movies edit their films. Why do you think they go in production and take out 30, 40, 60 minutes of fun? Why do you think people clean up their show? Every other form of entertainment can edits, boosts, enhances, takes things away, cleans this up. There, It comes off to me as, I don't get paid enough. I don't give a fuck. You know, I'm working hard. That's good enough. And I think that mentality hurts AEW in the end. John Moxley, to me, more as I see this, I feel like John Moxley is a medium-sized fish that would rather be in a small pond than be a medium-sized fish in a big pond. I don't think John Moxley, I mean, other than meeting Renee and making friends over the years and becoming a household name in the world of pro wrestling. I think all of that he loves about a, about WWE. But I think in the end, I think John Moxley, you know, I don't think he cares about being bright lights WWE in front of millions. I think as long as he's getting paid good and he's allowed to bleed and he's allowed to curse and he's allowed to, you know, gig and he's allowed to use weapons, he's allowed to do this, you know, I, it just feels like it's the I don't give a fuck attitude. Where do you draw the line with that? That's what I would like to know. Because when you see pro wrestling with AEW and it draws a million, 900,000, 850, 920, a, a million six, you know, you keep reading on online, you know, lately, what, Brian Davis and Kenny Omega greater than Macho Man Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan. Or... You see the preview for tonight's dynamite, and what do you see these people write? Oh, if this was if this this was a pay per view, I'd buy it. You know, but meanwhile, it still only draws eight nine hundred thousand viewers. I mean, you know, when do you start addressing this? Is Tony Khan afraid to say, "Look, you know, you got to do this discreetly"? You know, yes. Why does production still zoom in? Is this funny today? Is this a running gag? <laughs> look, we showed him gagging. Look, 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 and he's unconscious, the cameras are not on him. And he's like a couple of little fans at ringside, and he's like, you know, and he's having fun, and he's leaving. The thing is, is that WWE doesn't put the camera on him and fucking air it during Raw or a premium live event. So, I don't know. I just wanted to share it, because there's a lot of people...
that seem to just brush it off like, oh, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. We know what wrestling is. So what he does that? No big deal. I don't know. I know how you feel about it. So, all right. Um, before we get out of here, let's, uh, oh, by the way, Rampage Friday, Jack Perry will be in action. Mark Briscoe, as I showed you earlier, will be appearing. Ruby Soul will be taking on Marina Shafir, and the Blackpool Combat Club will be taking on the Butcher the Blade and Kip Sabian. And um, no matches announced yet for Dynamite. NXT yesterday, match results. Dava Kato over Dante Chen. Isla Dawn over Tatum Paxley. Carmelo Hayes over J.D. McDonough. Laya Valkyria, Valkyria, excuse me, over Valentina Feroz. Stacks beating Odyssey Jones, which surprised the shit out of me. And Pretty Deadly over Chase University. But the big news coming out of yesterday. Toxic Attraction was going to be guests for Bailey's Ding Dong Hello. And you realized when this was going to close NXT, something was going to go down. Some people thought, hey, maybe Mandy Rose returns. Some people thought Dakota Kai and Io Sky were going to show up and attack Toxic Attraction. But we quickly realized that Toxic Attraction was going to be throwing some insults to each other, doing some one-liners, J.C. Jane throwing some jabs. Didn't she say something like a cross with Chucky with some crackhead or something? They had some funny one-liners, but they threw their insults. But at the end of the day, they are toxic attraction, and they uh, hug, and Bailey is happy. Oh, of course, Bailey, you know, being happy, you knew it was going to lead to something. And that's when I thought damage control, if Dakota Kai is still not dealing with a very serious injury, that's when I thought they were going to come out and attack toxic attraction. But... That did not happen. As they're hugging it out, now I got to show it to you in pieces because we don't want any copyright issues. But after the segment is over, they hug. And Bailey, you know, oh, kind of happy about it. Here's the, here's the hug. Beautiful, ladies and gentlemen. Beautiful, ladies and gentlemen. And Gigi Dolan, a little bit choked up. J.C. Jane, you know, kind of happy. You know, felt really emotional at this point. But they hug it out. And then you have both of them in the ring. And their arms are raised in the air. Bailey did it. Thanks to Bailey. So they're, hug- they're hugging. They're holding each other's arms. And then J.C. Jane lets go. Takes an extra step back. And you know what's going to happen, everyone. Um, yeah. Super kick to the chest. Boom! Knocks her out. Super kick to the chest. Knocks her on her ass. But that wasn't the story here. What happens next? Yeah, it was uncomfortable, man. There's no way to put it. J.C. Jane takes Gigi Dolan. And Gigi Dolan, you had to feel bad for her because her 
with selling pain, and we've talked about this before. Gigi Dolan, when she sells pain, she cries. A lot of people have noticed that we've talked about, I mean, not just wailing in tears, but obviously she's crying yesterday, not just because of the pain, but because why is her best friend doing this to her? So she, so JC Jane super kicks her and then JC Jane picks up Gigi Dolan and just throws her into the door. And this is fucking vicious. Smacks her, picks her up and yet look at, Gigi Dolan now. Gigi Dolan is crying, wailing. J.C. Jane is pissed the fuck off. And J.C. Jane does this. Head first into the door. I mean, literally. Now, listen. Listen. Have you ever seen Gigi Dolan on the indie circuit? She will take some brutal shots, man. She's tough son of a bitch. She took a shot in the door, and that was disturbing. But this is something that you're going to remember 5, 10, 20 years from now just because of how brutal it looked. And this goes back to what I said earlier about MJF. MJF is awesome. MJF is a master of what he's doing. The thing is, when it comes to WWE, is MJF going to say half the things that he says? And the answer is no. When you see what you see here with Gigi Dolan, let's be honest. That is something WWE on the main roster does not allow. And I guarantee you, I'm not saying that Shawn Michaels is getting any heat over this or Gigi Dolan or anyone else. But, you know, there's a reason why you don't ever see something like this. Because WWE doesn't allow it. They are paranoid about head injuries, which they should. You know, they just don't allow it to get to this level. If this was AEW, there's a good chance you would see something brutal like this because they will go that extra step. But watch what JC Jane does to Gigi Dolan. Now, Gigi Dolan is laid out and she's crying hysterical. And she got no place to go, man. And that ding-dong hello set, that needs a little bit of refurbishing. Just look at your screen. Watch this. Watch this. This is the kick of the decade. Watch this. Watch this. That That's something you see like with somebody's iPhone in a fucking parking lot after a road rage incident. All right? If you didn't think it was that bad, look at it in slow motion. Boom! Oh, my God. Holy shit. Show it to you one more. Look at it in slow motion. Oh, did I just fucking close it? That's okay. I can fix that. Look at it in slow motion. Watch this. Boom! Now, the funny thing about it is she got kicked on the right side of her face. So the next day, you would think that kick to the face was brutal. Her face is going to be swollen. It's going to be bruised. It's going to be all cut up. Well, she shared a picture today of what her face looks like today. And believe it or not, the side of her face that suffered the most damage was the opposite side. Her head going into the side frame of the door is what did all the damage to her. She took a fucking beating last night. Look at it one more time in slow motion. Watch the other side of her face. 
That is crazy, man. And after it was over, you know, J.C. Jane, you know, I'll say this. I'll say this. For those comparing it to Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, I understand why people are saying it. The difference is, though, is that at the time, and I was a wrestling fan at that time, at the time that went down, we really didn't know yet who was going to be the major star of the two. Shawn Michaels had a little bit of of a head start. But at that time, fans were big into Marty Jannetty as well. Marty Jannetty fucked himself up because he had some type of an incident with a woman, if I remember correctly, and it fucked up his chance of having a WrestleMania match with Shawn Michaels. And, you know, Marty Jannetty would get into trouble a few times. Marty Jannetty never um, had the opportunity to really try to get to that next level. He kept bucking himself up. So at the time, we did not think, you know, this might have been, this is Shawn Michaels at that time, and this is Marty Jannetty. We did not think that after all of these years, it would be like this. So the reason why people are comparing it to Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty is because of Shawn Michaels turning on his partner and doing something extremely vicious. That's why people are bringing it up. Two partners holding each other's hands up high, super kick thrown through the plate glass window. Shawn Michaels is also running NXT. So it's almost like a little tribute to them as well. But you can't say that Gigi is the Marty Jannetty of the group because we've been talking about this for a while. WWE sees more money right now with Gigi Dolan. I think J.C. Jane has the potential to really fucking turn it up a notch as well. Now, for a long time, I thought J.C. Jane would be perfect as a a guidette, a female in Tony D'Angelo's camp. We just had this conversation over the weekend. Tony D'Angelo's hit a major plateau. And the big problem with Tony D'Angelo is that when you cut promos and you're talking about, hey, the family, hey, yeah, the family, the family, would you think I was going to throw you off the bridge? No, I'm going to promote you. Promote me to what? There's no one else around. So Tony D'Angelo's hit a major plateau because storyline-wise, you know, it, it, it doesn't. it's goofy. It looks ridiculous. Stacks gets promoted to what? So they got to expand that group or they got to start taking it in a totally different direction. Turning babyface, being a heel. It's, you don't simply just switch that and there's problem solved. I think J.C. Jane, being with that group, she would fit. If you ever seen like, you know, growing up Gotti, or you ever see like, you know, those Italian housewives, you know, the gangster wives and all that shit, J.C. Jane could fit that and fit it well. She looks Italian. I don't know if she is Italian, but she looks Italian. She's got that look that if you made her almost like like um, Marissa Tomei from My Cousin Vinny, she doesn't have to have the extreme New York accent. Obviously, we know what J.C. Jane sounds like already, but the big question is, what do you? where do you go from here? Now, when we talked last week about toxic attraction, I said, if you bring them to the main roster, they got to remain a tag team. 
on the main roster. If they do not go to the main roster as a tag team, then you got to split them up. And the reason being is because if Gigi Dolan goes to Raw, Gigi Dolan goes to SmackDown, how the fuck is she going to leapfrog all of these women that are already there? You look at Raw and you look at all the women that have the position that they do. And where where is Gigi Dolan fit in that group? Is she going to leapfrog Rhea? No. Is she going to leapfrog Bailey? No. Is she going to leapfrog Bianca Belair? No. Is she going to leapfrog Io Sky and Dakota Kai? No. She might leapfrog Candice LeRae, Dana Brooke, maybe Nikki Cross. Where does that leave you? It doesn't leave you. With the, you bring her to SmackDown. Is she going to leapfrog Charlotte? Are you kidding me? Is she going to leapfrog, you know, uh, Raquel Rodriguez? You know, Liv Morgan? She might leapfrog Zia Lee, but you realize bringing someone to the main roster is all great and everything. Like you hear people like, oh, we got to get Indy Hotwell on the main roster for what? To do segments with Dexter Loomis. Because if she wrestles on Raw or on SmackDown, who is she going to defeat? She's going to defeat the Zia Lees, the Dana Brooks, the Candice LeRae. And that's pretty much. And then where you go, where do you go three months from now? So. If you bring Toxic Attraction to the main roster as a tag team, now you look at the tag team women's division, and it's very, very light. Other than Sky and Kai, there's really no real strong tag team or makeshifts. you got makeshifts. So Toxic Attraction coming to the main roster as a tag team looks very appealing. People think Caden Carter, Casey Conan-Zauer going to the main roster looks appealing. Now they have a much different outlook. They could accumulate a whole boatload of wins. Raquel Rodriguez may team up with Zia Lee, just for example, and Zia Lee would eat the pin. But you see where I'm going with this? So, But you're not going to bring them to the main roster right now as single stars because there's too many people they'd have to leapfrog. That's why I think you got to keep them in NXT. They're going to feud with each other for a while. And then where it goes from here, we got to see. We have to see. Now, there's enough women on the NXT roster that they can definitely go toe-to-toe with. On the main roster, though, it becomes a much bigger problem. But, you know, the one thing that does suck about this, you realize, I feel bad for Mandy Rose out of all of this because now that group, it's done. Even if they tried to do a storyline when Mandy Rose came back and tried to mend fences, let me tell you something, everyone. When you do this, there ain't no turning back. There ain't no turning back from that. That is the Shawn Michaels throwing through the plate glass window. Gigi Dolan, even though she's the one that got thrown through the plate glass window, quote unquote, she may end up being the Shawn Michaels out of this. We don't know what their careers are going to end up. Everybody talks about Carmelo Hayes, and I do also, but I also think Trick Williams is going to have a fucking great career, man. I can't wait for Trick Williams to go to that main roster. He's going to be like the anti-Street Profits. You know, and I'm not just saying because they're black, but I just, his attitude, oh my God. He's going to be like a Miz to a different level. But um, we got to see where this goes from here. But I think tonight, you know, we toast... Toxic Attraction, because a lot of us do watch NXT on a weekly basis. And 
you know, some of the giveaways that we've done in the past, the Gigi Dolan signed photos, that Toxic Attraction triple signed photo that we gave away twice. You know, there was big turnouts for those giveaways. Toxic Attraction was one of the big highlights of NXT over the last year and a half. And unfortunately, now that group is officially history. So now we see where it goes from here. Um, I'll say one last thing in closing. I saw the other day, Mandy Rose made a remark. And yeah, it triggers people on social media to get behind her. And I don't need to prove it. I am a huge fan of Mandy Rose. She's been very generous, giving us so many autographed photos in the past to give away. She is good people. And I said that way before she even got released. But, but the other day, she made a remark to somebody and said that WWE did not give her any warning. That if WWE, she basically said if WWE would have given her a warning, she would have taken everything down. She would have changed everything. And I'm saying this with the utmost sincerity. You all out there tuning in, me, we all know before she ever opened a fan time page, we all knew what you could and could not do outside of WWE. You can't pose nude. You can't do pictorials for other magazines. You, it's all got to be cleared by WWE. We all knew this already. And I add one last thing to it. Why did she not ask WWE when she set up that page and launched it? She says WWE did not warn her, did not tell her not to do it. Why didn't you say anything? When you opened up that page and you started posing the way you were, and we could see a lot of shit revealed, and no one else on that roster, since Playboys, no one on that roster has done anything like that. Why did you not once contact WWE and say, listen, is it okay if I do this? Am I crossing the line by posting this? So her playing the babe in the woods, I had no idea WWE gave me no warning as much as I I'm a huge fan of Mandy Rose. As much as I would love to see her back in wrestling, as much as I have said she she deserves to be most improved wrestler of 2022 outside of maybe Tiffany Stratton. I mean, how do you do all that and you would a clear head? I could see if she was an airhead or she was just a moron, but you know that she's not stupid. You know, a lot of people the last week, they thought they were cute, making fun of her. Oh, look, the bloom is off the rose. Mandy Rose is now giving away fan times for free. Oh, she's losing money left and right. No, sometimes you got to give a little to get a little. And I told the story when I started my business originally. I put this giant sign on my window, no broker's fees. Switch your policy over to me and you'll pay no broker's fees. I had all these people switching their policies to me. And people were saying to me early on, what are you, stupid? You're getting all this extra work. You're not getting paid nothing. And my answer was, yeah, but when the policy renews, if they stay with me, I get commission. I have the policy. So I have to work for free for a little bit. That's fine. But if they stay with me when they renew, I get paid. And about three quarters of the people stood with me and I got paid. So sometimes you got to reel them in. 
Why do you think at supermarkets, hey, you want a free piece of cheese? You think they want to give you a cheese because they like you? No, they want to give you cheese. You'd be like, hmm, this is good. Oh, let me buy a pound. That's why you do it. You give out samples. Like, why are you giving out all these fucking free samples? That's a lot of money. Because they want you to fucking buy the package after. They don't want you to just eat it and walk out the door and go home. That's part of business. But Mandy Rose is not an idiot. And anybody that thinks that, oh, fuck WWE, they didn't even give her a chance, that's bullshit. Because she had many opportunities to say, hey, WWE, um, I'm going to be launching this page. Uh, is this all right? You know, if she showed the video with her thing hanging out, you know, you don't pass that to, you know, WWE standards and practices, say, you think this is too much? You know, I I think we know what Vince would say, I got to get a better look at this. You know, she ain't stupid, man. She ain't stupid. All right. Before we get out of here, we have some super shout outs to get into. We got four of them. So I definitely would like to acknowledge them, acknowledge them, and then we're going to call it because we are right around 90 minutes. Devin M., with the five spot, much love, my friend Devin. Haven't been here for a live show in a while, just showing some love. DT, hope your family's doing good. I appreciate that. My parents are in Florida right now. I am bird sitting, and um, they will be back this weekend, and uh, they're doing okay. You know, they just, uh, they still have some damage from uh, Ian. What was it? Hurricane Ian, right? So they're there doing, a, my father's doing a little bit of cleanup and everything, so, but they're good. I appreciate that, and thank you very much. Nice to see you back, by the way. Sucks about the watch parties, man. Unfortunately, unless we give away like free shit, like almost half a dozen, 10, 15 people show up and, you know, it just, uh, it you know, maybe we'll bring it back. But unfortunately, there's a lot of people, yeah, yeah, I'll show up and then they don't show up. So, you know, but nice to see you back. All right. Theme Parks with Johnny with a 10 spot. Thank you, Johnny. Toxic Attraction will be a great moment when they get back together if they do in the future. Uh, never say never. Um, but I think in the end, if they do go to main roster down the line, down the, not now, not now, one will probably go to Raw, one will probably go to SmackDown. And they'll definitely make sure that they stay apart. Listen, there was no reason to split them, but, but you can't keep going back to Toxic Attraction in the women's tag team title picture in NXT. And let's be honest, they've been lurking in that tag team division all this entire time. When they dropped those tag titles, and we thought they were moving on, and then next thing you know, they're fighting for a number one contender spot, and then they lose that. And then two weeks later, they're fighting Katana Chance and Kane and Carter anyway, and they just kept creeping in. You could do that with the Usos in a New Day over the years, with main roster, but with NXT... You know, doesn't it feel, honestly, as much as we didn't want to see them split, look at the NXT Women's Tag Team Division right now. There's no Asuka and Kyrie Sane. There's no Sasha Banks and Bayley. And no, I know that they are big time now. But my point is, the Women's Tag Team Division in NXT right now feels the most even that it's ever been. The most even it's ever been. 
There's no tag team there right now that you could turn around and say, oh, they should be dominating everybody on that roster. That's why Kiana James and Fallon Henley winning the tag titles. If you don't follow NXT, you're probably like, who they? Who's that? Who that? But if you follow NXT, it doesn't feel so, you know, wrong. Yes, you may not have wanted the titles to change, but so even right now. You put Ivy Nile and Tatum Paxley out there. You put any two together, and it feels pretty even. With Toxic Attraction still there, they were always labeled that team, the team. So that's probably also why they split them up. So, But thank you, Johnny. Thank you, Johnny. Oh, another five spot for Johnny. I would continue to say it, J.C. Jane is very underrated talent, very high on J.C. Jane. Listen, she, I have sung the praise. Listen, Gigi Dolan, with her look, you knew, I've always said she reminded me of Paige. Even with the different color hair, she always reminded me of Paige. Not just the goth look or anything like that. She reminded me always of Paige. And I feel, and I swear to you, I'm not throwing any shade towards Paige, but I think people understand why I'm saying this. WWE was very serious about keeping Paige and using her. And they said, you know, if you can return to the ring, you know, down the line we'll make it happen. What I think happened is age caught up to Paige. And I'm not trying to be a poet here, but I think age caught up to Paige. And I think that that look that innocent, and forget about what happened with the title and you know the the the, the X-rated videos. Put all forget all that for, for now. I think with Paige, a lot of the innocence was gone, and that look, that innocence, everything about her, I think just got aged. And I think they looked at Gigi Dolan, and I think like she fits that role. She's got that different look little goth, a little this. And I really believe that Gigi Dolan is the one to be what Paige was many, many years ago. That's how I've always looked at it. And I'm not saying that Paige is over the hill. I still support the shit out of her. You know, I'm happy that she's back. You know, people don't understand when they do the segments with the spray paint and all that. They're just trying to keep her on TV because neck-wise, she really has to be careful. That's why the last tag match they had on Rampage, she did next to nothing. Not because she's lazy and not because AEW doesn't know how to use her. It's because medically, they have to be extremely careful right now. More careful than we know. So you have to think about that and understand it. And if you don't think about it, then what you see on TV, you, you look like, oh, this is awful. So, all right. But J.C. Jane, she's got a different vibe about her. She's got that vibe where, you know, I, I you know what's funny? I think J.C. Jane could actually follow the mold of Mandy Rose. You know, I, I'm not saying like completely like how Mandy Rose came off like a supermodel and all that, but I think J.C. Jane, if you look at the photos and her look and the way that she put, perceives herself, I think she could really you know, just turn it up a notch. But she's got to keep a character. 
Gigi Dolan's got the character. She doesn't have changed nothing. She comes out dressed the way she did with the rose, the hat, you know, her look, the extremely pale skin. You know, she just doesn't have chance. J.C. Jane has to have an identity. She can't just be a nasty bitch. So J.C. Jane is going to have to tweak her identity a little bit. We'll see what they do. Right now, they'll feud with each other. But I, I still think J.C. Jane is one of those gangster women, you know, in, in a mafia, mafia woman. Oh, I think that would work awesome. Oh, yes. Thank you, Austin, for reminding me. Another week has gone by, everyone. Uh, headphone alert. Diddy Dima. Diddy Dima. He redeemed another week. Fucking Miro's the most smartest man in pro wrestling. I fucking love that guy, and I mean that sincerely. That guy is me. You realize how much money? I could just picture him like, look, honey. Look, I'm wiping my ass with Tony Khan money this week. Look, I did nothing. Look. I seriously, I think he seriously just wipes his ass with the, the money. That guy has made so much money and has done next to nothing. I... I can't. When he goes back to WWE, do you realize that within six weeks he'll probably wrestle more than he's wrestled in two years with AEW? So, all right. Finally, for tonight, Liam Savage with the two spot. Thank you, Liam. Mandy thought she was bulletproof. Yeah, I do believe that. See, on this show, I know, you know, the channel. We don't hate and clickbait. You know, we don't whine, you know, but we could criticize and we could call people out when they deserve to be, you know, criticized. And Mandy Rose, we're huge supporters of hers, but we also call like we see it. She cannot, she cannot. If she was in, a, in WWE for six months or a year, oh, I really didn't know, you know, or she was brand new to pro wrestling. Okay, that's different. If she was the female Logan Paul, oh, I didn't know I could do this. I can't do this. She's been in WWE for a while now. And how you think, hey, Sabatelli, her fiance, hey, look, what do you think, WWE? You don't think her fiance didn't say it once, hey, honey, I don't, I don't, I don't know if WWE is going is to like that. You don't think that that happened even once? When she's, I mean, I'm not going to do it here because I don't want anybody to vomit. But if I put my legs up and you see a little bit of camel toe, but hers, you actually see it like leaking out on the sides of her underwear. And you say, you don't think, even if she didn't think it, you don't think her fiance turned around and say, hey, honey, I don't know. I don't know if WWE's going to, you might want to run that through. I, I just don't buy that. I don't buy that. I think that she rolled the dice. She thought because of how, Big she became in NXT. I think because she wanted to roll the dice and at worst, maybe WWE tells her to take it down. You know, it's almost like people with podcasts. Like they'll play like a lot of footage from like pay-per-views and they'll see how far they could go until they get flagged. And then it's like, okay, now I got to take it back. So some people like to, you know, like grab you know, instead of taking an inch, you take a foot. And you keep taking and taking until the point where they say, stop. She thought that they were going to just say, okay, stop. What are you doing? No, they were like, no. They figured, she's, Mandy Rose is smarter than that. I think if they truly believed that Mandy Rose was just naive and really thought that it was okay, I think they probably would have said to her, look, take it down. 
immediately, and that's it. But I think they turn around and like, she knew exactly what she was doing. Some of those photos that we gave away, those are not WWE photos. And yes, they are allowed to give things away for free. But if you look at a lot of those post photos, look at the Shotzi Blackheart photos that I've given away. When she's with the Freddy Krueger and the Jason stuff and her ass is hanging out and everything. And they're, they're nice pictures. They're not X-rated or even close to it. But you think that she was in the back at a WWE house show and you're like, hey, take pictures of me. You know, no, they, they take photos. And, you know, there's a line that you cannot draw. You know, you cannot cross. She knew what she was doing. She definitely knew. All right, I'm going to get out of here. So, you know, I apologize earlier for that chat GBT stuff. You know, I, I what I'm going to do for shits and giggles, over the weekend, not tonight, I got to go to sleep, but over the weekend, I'm going to cap the video of the phrase that I typed in. I got to look and see what I typed in earlier, check my search history, and then I'll record it and then I'll play it for you next week. And when you see this thing type up and it says, a lot of AEW fans are, are misconstrued as wrestling nerds, and you watch this come across your screen, it, it's almost identical to what this guy wrote. So, But uh, if you enjoyed the show, you know what to do. Um, I got to give it a plug again because it got such an awesome response. If you haven't checked it out already, Make sure you check out Podcast Forbidden Door. I conducted our conversation with Misha Montana, and we had a blast and a great response. You know, some people, you know, were not thrilled about it. A lot of people enjoyed it. A lot of people didn't even know who she was and now have an idea. There's a lot of interesting feedback from there. And, um, you know, we'll see where it goes from here. Some of you want to have her back, so we might have her back in the future. Some of you want me to have Matt Riddle on. And I don't want to make any promises, but I will tell you that I have already been told that, um, how do I say this the right way? Yesterday I said on Patreon perfectly. Um, if I wanted to have Matt Riddle on, I could. I mean, obviously we would have to wait for a certain set of circumstances to go down. But the only reason why I don't think I would do it, unless it was to like promote WrestleMania, because I'm not going to be an Ariel Hawani. I'm not going to sit here and have to ask the explicit questions that, you know, he prefers to keep private. You know, there's a couple of topics that if I didn't ask it, everybody, their feedback would be, why didn't you ask this? How could you do an interview and not ask this? If you go on with Ariel Hawani, you're expecting those questions to be asked for me. I'm not going to invade someone's private space unless they tell me, yeah, this is all right. Don't worry about it. Ask me. That's fine. You know, you respect some people's privacy, especially when it comes to mental health, especially when it comes to mental health. A lot of mental health is involved over here. A lot of, you know, trying to find yourself and making yourself a better person and everything. And, you know, some of that is not easy to talk about. So, again, I would love to do it, and maybe we will. You know, but again, it probably would be to hype up WrestleMania, but my problem is is that I ain't going there if I shouldn't be going there. So that's probably why I wouldn't do it. So, But all right, everybody, I'm out of here. Much love, and I will catch you all again. Uh, what's the schedule? Saturday, 11 a.m., Don Tony Show. 
I have an announcement for our Patreon family. I will post it tomorrow. Next Tuesday is Valentine's Day. I am spending Valentine's Day with my wife. So I will not be doing a Patreon episode next Tuesday. Uh, it will be a pre-recorded episode that we will do. It will not be live. But there's going to be more involved. It's going to be actually a, a pretty cool thing. I think everybody will enjoy. But I'll put that announcement on Patreon tomorrow. So uh, when we'll record it and what the format will be. But next Tuesday, I will be uh, with my wife celebrating our first Valentine's Day, being married. And uh, who knows? Maybe um, that night uh, I get a little bit of... Uh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, I closed it already. I was going to pull up the... Uh, the uh, MJF photo from her. Oh, no, I do have it. No. That does not happen in the household. So, all right, everybody. I'm going to see. I'm going there with me, and I don't feel comfortable. Be well, everybody. Where is my outro? There is my outro. Much love, everybody. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a podcaster. For me to live any other way was nuts. To me, those goody-good people who work shitty jobs for bum paychecks and took the subway to work every day and worried about their bills were dead. I mean, they were suckers. They had no balls. If I wanted something, I just took it. I ran everything. I paid the bills. I paid the hosts. I even paid the masked maniac. Everybody had their hands out. Everything was for the taking. We always called each other good fellas. You would always hear from somebody. You're going to like Don Tony. He's all right. He's a good fella. He's one of us. But if you're part of my crew, nobody ever tells you they're going to get rid of you. It doesn't happen that way. There weren't any arguments or curses like in the movies. See, your haters come with smiles. They come as your friends, the people who claim they care the most for your life. And now, now that's all over. And that's the best part. Today, everything is different. There's lots of action. I don't have to wait around for everything like everyone else. Oh, I didn't get the vaccine? Fuck you, vaccine me. Oh, your delivery guy has COVID? Fuck you, feed me. Right after I moved here, I ordered egg noodles and ketchup, and I got spaghetti with meat sauce. I'm no longer an average nobody, while they get to live the rest of their lives like a bunch of schnooks. Sean Green here from the Sports Gambling Podcast on Blue Wire. If you're listening to this right now, there's a good chance you've already been eliminated from your NFL survivor pool. Well, don't worry. We're here to help with our free second chance survivor pool. That's right. We're giving away $3,000 for free in our NFL second chance survivor pool. It starts this weekend. It's completely free. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash survivor. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash survivor.